1: Hey there! Before the show begins, we wanted to ask for you, the listeners, to help us out with something. We're working on this episode about queer love and the internet for Pride Month.
2: If you have met a partner at any time in your life on the internet, it doesn't have to be a dating app. It can be through fandom or Neopets forums or even on a BBS, if you know what that is. Hello. Take your Metamucil. But can you do us a favor and record a short voice memo telling us all about your love story and email it to us at icymi at slate.com.
1: Once again, record a voice memo and email that to icymi at slate.com. We're hoping the episode will go up at the end of June or so. So the sooner the better. I'm Rachel Hampton and I'm Candace Lim and you're listening to Icy Why My, in case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture.
2: And Candace, now that I'm back from performing my civic duty, Mm -hmm. can we talk about your past for a second?
1: Absolutely.
2: So I heard through the grapevine that you went to a little event in 2016, famously a (laughs) bad year for everyone. Um, And this event was called VidCon. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with VidCon, but for those who are not, what is a VidCon? Who is a VidCon? Mm. Where is a VidCon?
1: Vidcon is this annual YouTube conference. It's held in Anaheim in SoCal and it was started by the Vlog Brothers. So this is Hank and John Green. And I was there in 2016 cuz I was an intern for the Hollywood Reporter and I was just there for like coverage and roundups and stuff like that. What was the vibe that year? Who who all was there? Yeah. You know, I remember the biggest story coming out of Vidcon <laughs> it was that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was going to start a YouTube channel. Like, that was it. That was the tweet. I
2: honestly now want to know what's on that channel. Mm-hmm. What what did they post? <laughs> what was The Rock
1: cooking up for us on his YouTube channel? It gets more YouTube-y. I remember the schedule also having stuff like Marcus Butler Q&A and Joey Graceffa meet and greet and just all of these names. But one of the biggest creators there was a girl by the name of Miranda Sings.
2: All of those names are really, really sending me back to a a different era. Um, I could talk about Marcus Butler and Joey Cruseffa for at least another two hours, but Miranda Sings, she was never really in my wheelhouse. So could you kind of describe her entire thing? I'm vaguely familiar, but I truly don't think I've ever watched one of her videos.
1: Absolutely. I mean... Colleen Ballinger she was there because she was promoting a new Netflix show she was doing it's called haters back off and I remember Netflix just having this like huge activation in the halls they were giving out merch playing games and I distinctly remember Colleen having this huge main stage talk this is like the biggest venue they have for people and it was like an hour an hour and a half she brought her siblings out on stage to ask her questions and I do remember one of the questions her sister asked her on stage was how do you feel about fans calling you mom and this is what colleen said
2: it makes me feel a lot of things it makes me feel old so thanks Um, but it's also like great i love it i don't care i think it's funny like the first time i saw it i was like why are they calling me mom and it made me laugh Um,
1: but it's fine i am i embrace it now and i adopt all of you so i'm officially your your mother so colleen She started this YouTube channel in 2008 and it's for her alter ego or persona. And that persona is called Miranda Sings. Miranda's whole thing is that she's like socially awkward and blunt and weird. And she wears messy red lipstick and really high rise red pants. She also kind of has this like affected voice that is so, so put on. It's not what Colleen really sounds like. But the reason Miranda Sings is popular is because kids loved her. And one of her most popular videos is a song she wrote called where My bays At.
2: Hey, where my bays at? Where my bays at? Hey, where my bays at? Now you can get one too. So that video came out in 2014, which makes sense because that's around the year that non-black people discovered the word "bay" and <laughs> ran it into the motherfucking ground. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. The reason we're talking about 2016 VidCon and Miranda Singh slash Colleen Ballinger, who I honestly haven't thought about since 2016 is because honestly everyone's talking about Colleen right now. Mm -hmm. Specifically the allegedly inappropriate way that Colleen's been interacting with fans for years at this point. And that is because of a now-deleted video posted about a week or so ago by a YouTuber by the handle of Cody Rants. In this video, Cody describes their time in the Miranda Sings fandom and um, it it does not sound like a good time.
1: Ooh, that is an understatement.
2: Yeah, i not going to get into everything in Cody's video because it's a little under 25 minutes and that's honestly around how long our show is. <laughs> I would say the highlight of this video, and by highlight I mean low light, comes about 10 minutes in when Cody starts talking about their involvement with Colleen and Adam McIntyre. For those of y'all who are not up on your YouTube drama, back in 2020, Adam posted a video titled, Colleen Ballinger Stop Lying, wherein he detailed what he described then as his friendship with Colleen. Importantly, at the time that he posted this video, Adam was 17 and Colleen was in her 30s. Adam says in that video that he had been in pretty close contact with Colleen since he was 13. But in that 2020 video, Adam chose not to release any of his communications with Colleen. And despite the fact that Colleen basically confirms the substance of his allegations in an apology video, the Miranda Sings fandom turns against Adam for three years. Until this video from Cody.
1: In this video, Cody releases screenshots from group chats that Colleen was allegedly a part of, and they include Adam and other minors. Cody shows communications between themself and Colleen in the aftermath of Adam's 2020 video where Colleen was sharing screen recordings of her DMs with Adam. And again, these are DMs Colleen is having with a child that she's now sharing in an effort to sway Cody to her side. Here's a snippet of Cody's video, which, again, has now been deleted.
3: I am going to show you DMs between me and Colleen and me and Corey, because I think you need to see these. She DMs me and says, I wanted to reach out to you privately and in confidence and let you know why I'm staying silent. After he sent me that last message, which you can see in his video, I'll link that down below. Video is now made public. I responded to his messages immediately, did not ghost him, and then received a message from his mother through his DMs asking me to not speak of him. I now realize I should have never been communicating with him in the first place. Yeah. Duh. He was a child. He's not even the only child that she was talking to. She was. literally in DMs talking to children about SEX. Here's one, are you a virgin? This is Colleen in a group chat with children. They're called the weenies. This is the group chat. If you're in the Colleen Bollinger fandom, you know about this group chat. She's also asking, what's your favorite position? I think Colleen messaged me so I would do her dirty work for her and tried to get me on her side. And it worked, sadly. Now, I believe the reason that she DM'd me was so I would make this video. I would make a video that would defend her. And it worked. And that's sad. I was so excited when she messaged me. I was like, oh my God, she's confiding in me. I was going to be her knight in shining armor, right? She's just like, I'm trying to do my best to respect his family's wishes and to protect him as a minor as best I can. I'm sad and disappointed about all this. And I'm just trying to keep it together. And so she sends me the screen recording. She's sends me this so let's go to the beginning so this is adam speaking right here in this message he says been told by multiple people about how you and Corey have been running saying i run a hate account for people who support you which is extremely disappointing that your mind goes to that place i'm aware and so are my parents i have screenshots of everything for the past few weeks that Corey has said about me and in relation to you about me in these group chats and also everything else before but never thought you'd stoop to that level especially due to the 17 year age gap talk to me in 16 years if a 33 year old takes advantage of flynn for years then run sh- Talking him on Twitter. You want to play that game? Why do you even bother following me? Like, how would you feel if this happened to your own son? She responds. I said, takes advantage of Flynn. What are you even talking about? What does Flynn have to do with anything? How dare you bring my son into your...
1: Just to kind of really make clear what's happening in this video, Cody is saying that Colleen basically slid into their DMs to get Cody to make a video defending her against Adam, who, we're going to keep saying it, was 17 years old at the time.
2: And like Cody said, it worked. And honestly, it makes sense that it worked. Cody says later in the video that they were the only drama YouTube channel that Colleen reached out to. And a drama YouTube channel is is what it sounds like. It's a YouTube <laughs> channel that basically talks about the drama that's happening on YouTube. And for Cody to be the only one that Colleen is reaching out to, if you're a fan of someone, that's intoxicating. Mm-hmm. And both Cody and Adam speculate that Cody's video actually allowed Colleen the chance to post her apology video because Colleen says that she doesn't want to be seen as responding to a 17-year-old. So instead, she's responding to Cody's video.
1: And there's a lot more to this video and to the chain reaction that it caused. I mean, Adam's posted multiple videos about it. Cody's been subsumed into drama that we don't even have time to get into. And multiple other fans of Colleen have spoken out about inappropriate communications they had with her. When they were minors. And this is still very much a developing story. I mean, as we speak, Colleen is on a multi city Miranda Sings tour. She, as of the time of recording, hasn't spoken about the situation, which leaves us wondering where do we go from here?
2: It's a big question, and honestly, I don't think it's one that we can answer by ourselves. So we called up Francesca Ramsey, better known as Cheska Lee, who came up in the same early YouTube era cohort as Colleen. She has been on the frontier of a lot of the online dynamics that we're going to be talking about. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Afterwards, we'll be back with Francesca talking about Colleen Ballinger, Randa Sings, Adam McIntyre, and the legacy of early YouTube.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling,
2: And we're back with Francesca Ramsey. You might know her better by her handle at Chesca Lee. She is not only an internet veteran but a triple threat, a comedian, TV writer and producer, and a former video blog with over 30 million views on YouTube. Francesca, hello. Thank Hi. you for joining us
0: today. Oh, thank you for having me
1: can't say i'm excited because the topic is i know
0: like these are the circumstances (laughs) we're meeting under (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well francesca i think this is a fantastic episode to bring you on because i think you are someone who kind of can give us perspective from the back end and the front end which is really different but we are here to talk about youtuber colleen ballinger she's better known as miranda sings and like we said before the break you know I would say Colleen's definitely part of this very early YouTube era cohort. This is a cohort that I think we also consider you, Francesca, to be a part of. You know, Colleen started uploading in 2008. And I think as someone who's kind of been on the front lines of YouTube in many different ways, I wanted to know, like, how familiar are you with Colleen slash the Miranda Sings universe before all of the scandalous stuff happened?
0: Yeah, so we came up right around the same time. And, uh, you know, initially, Miranda Sings had more of a musical theater parody vibe. And I mm-hmm. went to acting school. So I, I knew those musical theater girls. And I remember seeing her very first videos and thinking they were hilarious, because they were very much a very specific type of girl who takes herself way too seriously, doesn't nearly have the talent to back it up. I remember sharing some of those videos with my friends. And she was even doing kind of um, videos with Broadway stars, pretending to teach them how to sing and doing these like cabaret shows. And it felt very um, niche. And then it just started to change over time. Watching Colleen's content, I noticed that it started to shift into this more immature, mean-spirited thing. And I can only guess that that's because that's what the audience was saying that they wanted. So the character just took on a very different direction. And that's when I stopped watching.
2: I'm curious as to how you would kind of describe those early days of YouTube, like the 2006 to 2010 era. And how do you kind of see Miranda Sings and Colleen's whole shtick kind of fitting into that universe?
0: Well, when I first started making content on YouTube, uh, it was like the year after it was founded, there was no partner program, which is how you're able to make money on YouTube. And there was no full-time YouTuber. So it was a very different landscape. It really felt like it was more driven by People just wanting to make cool things and have something to say. It felt very community driven. Um, we had video responses back then. So when you would put a video on response to someone else's, it would come up under the videos. And so it really just felt like it was encouraging people to create content and connect with each other. And then in 2008, is when the partner program started and you could start making money off of your content. And I felt like there was a dramatic shift in how people were approaching content creation because it was less about having something to say and more about getting views and making money. And I always had a full-time job. So while um, I was able to make a little bit of money, it wasn't a ton. And so um, I think that that shaped my content and my experience on the platform. With regards to Colleen and, and Miranda, I mean, her content blew up so fast. And as somebody that has experienced going viral a number of times off o- over the course of my career, it's, it's really jarring. It's, it's exciting, but it's scary, <laughs> especially if you don't have anybody in your real life that understands what's going on and, I know when it first happened to me in 2012, like the people I worked with didn't even know I made YouTube videos. I had, I was just like, I don't even know how to tell my coworkers what's happening. I was like, I have to go on Anderson Cooper tomorrow. They were like, why? What? I was like, because I I make YouTube videos and now uh, people are mad. Like my coworkers are like, what are you fucking talking about? (laughs) You know? And so I have a supreme sense of empathy for the experience of, I have captured lightning in a bottle and I have to continue this path, otherwise it's going to be gone. And um, it's interesting because over the course of Colleen's career, I've seen her talk about wanting to abandon Miranda. And I feel like there's a sense of fear as like, if I don't keep doing this, what's going to happen? I also realize and acknowledge that the way we talked about things like race and sexuality and mental health and consent were very different in the early two thousand or late 2000s. Not that it's an excuse, but the way that we talk about rape culture, for example, the way that we talk about victim blaming, the way that we talk about cultural appropriation, privilege, these were words that I was not using and familiar with, even though I knew some of the content made me uncomfortable, I didn't necessarily have the language for it. And I think especially when you cater your content to children, they absolutely don't have the language for it. And so unfortunately, a lot of quote unquote comedians go for that low hanging fruit because it's easy. And I've just, what I've observed of Colleen's content is, is that's what she was doing.
1: I just think that we are kind of the best generation to talk about and process this because you speak about language and I Mm -hmm. totally, totally agree with you that at the time, anytime something struck me as odd, I wouldn't necessarily be able to say why, but Mm -hmm. I would kind of let it sit in a box to be unpacked later on. And I do unfortunately think that box is now, but I think kind of going towards 2023, the reason Mm -hmm. why we're here, you know, I think the last time I watched a Branda Sting's video was around 2016, 2017. And, you know, we explained some of this before the break, but just to give a little recap. In 2020, a 17-year-old named Adam McIntyre, he uploaded a video and it was called Colleen Ballinger Stop Lying. And it's this like 25-minute long expose on what he at the time described as his friendship with Colleen. Mm -hmm. And Adam apparently first started interacting personally with Colleen, like messages and conversations when he was around 13 years old, when Colleen sent him a lingerie set that her friend... Had worn on a live stream. Adam spoke about this with this very somber tone, and we're gonna play a clip from the live video of Colleen, where I would argue the tone very different on her I'm end. Gonna send him
2: something.
0: Do you want the bra, Adam? Adam do you want the bra? <laughs> panties.
2: Tweet right now. I'm sending him something. Okay, maybe he'll want the panties. Although then his parents will be like, "You're not allowed to watch. <laughs> Who is sending you panties?" <laughs>
0: Something that I always think about when this stuff comes to light is the amount of evidence that exists. Mm, Like the fact that we have a video of her acknowledging that this is not appropriate to send to a child, that the child's parents would probably think this is inappropriate, and yet she does it anyway. Normally when people do things that are inappropriate, we don't have like video clips of them detailing why it's inappropriate. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you are a content creator, and I would argue when you're a content creator that is relying on shock value and gimmicks because you don't have the talent to create original content to begin with, that's a read. And so now you have to say salacious, racy things to kind of be funny because the alternative is to write some jokes That are funny.
2: Which a lot of people do not have the skill to do. Mm -hmm. And this becomes even clearer after this live video in that Adam describes getting closer and closer to Colleen, who at the time was in her 30s. She gave him access to her Twitter account because she needed people to make content for her. Adam also describes that Colleen would ask him to look into gossip sites um, and kind of trawl these websites to get information on her which led to him getting attacked on these sites and the thing is colleen ultimately confirms most of the allegations in this 2020 video um she says no i should have never sent a fan underwear how stupid am i no i should have never given access to my twitter account and no i shouldn't have talked to him as often as i did it's kind of wild because that's the end of this in 2020. <laughs> and by the end, I mean, Adam is harassed for three years by the yeah. Miranda Sings fandom because despite the fact that Colleen confirms everything that he's saying, they still say that Adam is basically clout chasing. And that is until this year, 2023, when another person comes forward, a YouTuber by the handle of Cody Rants, And Cody releases screenshots that allegedly connect Colleen with group chats that include both minors and adults Group chats where Colleen is asking minors like Adam if they've lost their virginity, what their favorite sex position is, and to send photos of their bodies. Adam posts another video titled, I Was Right About Colleen Ballinger, where he goes through Cody's allegations and offers up more information of his own. And that's a a short summary of a long story that is still going on. But Francesca, I wanted to ask you, when did you kind of first start catching wind of this story And 2020
0: or in 2023. Yeah, so I I heard about Adam's video in 2020, and and prior to that, I had felt uncomfortable with some of the themes in Miranda or Colleen's videos. Um, she had a recurring theme about her uncle touching her. And I just was like, that is not, that is not funny. I'm so confused by this. And yeah. I remember she had a show on Netflix. And when the Netflix show came out, I tried to watch it because I was like, I'm just so morbidly curious and I couldn't get through it. And I just, I really checked out, you know, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So when Adam came forward in 2020 and made that video, I watched some of you know, the responses. And I really felt terrible for him because these creators have fostered a parasocial relationship with their audience where they will go to great lengths to defend their favorite YouTuber because they feel that it's proving allegiance to them and they're then rewarded for it. So she's rewarding her fans with private group chats and sending them gifts and following them on Twitter and sending them DMs and all of those things are encouragement to continue harassing and defending her honor. So I watched it happen. I think I made like a few sub-tweets about it because, you know, unfortunately I don't want to deal with that as well. And and I have in the past. And it's that David and Goliath situation where I have a few hundred thousand followers, but I don't have millions. You know, and so if you open the door to millions, even if they are children, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. So I didn't, I really didn't get involved. And then it wasn't until, you know, a few weeks ago, I guess a week now I saw that Colleen was trending on Twitter and I saw that someone had put together this long thread of evidence. And I thought they have been doing this in plain sight. None of this was secret. It was well known. And my heart really hurt for Adam because. I know what it feels like to say I've been the canary in the coal mine, and no one listened to me. And now here y'all are backing me up. So I'm, I'm thankful that the conversation is happening. But the cynical part of me wonders if anything's actually going to happen. And I don't even know like what the solution is, but I absolutely think that we need to be more conscientious about what our young people are consuming online and the relationships that are being fostered. Because unfortunately I think it's a lot of young people that don't have solid friendships, don't have healthy community, maybe don't have a super active peer group. And so they end up making friends or believing their friends with these YouTubers and these other fans online and they can absolutely be taken advantage of. And that's what we've seen here.
2: We are very cognizant, I think, of his age, which only makes the kind of allegations that Colleen is facing even more kind of reprehensible to think about in that the main allegations she's facing are inappropriate contact with minors not just any minors but minors who are fans of her adam tweeted that there was a weenies group chat consisting of mostly 13 to 17 year olds that he was a part of with colleen and they all had an inside joke that colleen started doing with periods or some shit and she sent us this video and all of us had to go out and buy tampons and reenact it for the group chat it was so fucking weird and the video he attaches is of Colleen basically removing a tampon from an applicator with her mouth. There's really not much to say about that video <laughs> in request besides what the actual no. fuck.
0: <laughs> and, 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 but this goes back to what I was saying before. We have video evidence of her doing, this is not just like, oh, one time this happened and I can't, I have no receipts. Like we have all of it. And there are so many clips of her bringing young fans onto stage during these shows and and calling their outfits pornographic and, um, and just having them reenact childbirth. I mean, just things that, uh, again, are just wildly inappropriate for an adult in their 30s to do. And it's just, it's really mind blowing. And, and again, I, I, I don't want to be cynical because I do believe that she should face consequences. But in my YouTube history, I've seen a lot of people get called out. They apologize, they take a break, and they just come back. (laughs) It's just, and it's just fine. Like everybody moves on.
2: Yeah. I mean, your YouTube history is kind of something I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. in reference to this in that something that's really been sticking with me throughout the past week and researching this is the kind of group chat element of this and the power dynamics present when children who grow up watching someone are suddenly able to communicate personally with their idol. Mm -hmm. And we talk about parasocial relationships a lot on the show, but I wanted to get your thoughts as someone who created on YouTube, who's probably had many opportunities to interact with fans on The really intimate ways that Colleen specifically chose to interact with her fans, like leaving aside that these are minors, that's a big thing. But just the behavior strikes me as deeply inappropriate, regardless of the age, just because of the power dynamics that are present.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that has been really evident to me as I've had my career and especially going to VidCon and meeting other creators is... This career path attracts a very specific type of insecure person. I met a lot of YouTubers who, when you meet them in person, they're so shy and they're so quiet, but they're so big online. And I think those are often the ones that are most successful because they're able to devote a lot of time and energy to cultivating that audience. Whereas if you maybe have more of a healthy social life you can't do that. And I think that was always a benefit for me, being a little bit older, never making a ton of money. Like I did okay, but I always kept a regular job. I was only a full-time YouTuber for a very small amount of time. Um, and I also credit my parents, especially my mom, with me always having a, a high moral standard for myself and really always thinking I'm not going to degrade myself in order to get ahead. And I found that frustrating because I watched peers succeed because they were willing to degrade themselves and I wasn't. And I think in terms of having those inappropriate relationships with fans, regardless of their age, again, I think it goes back to people who don't have healthy community connections offline. And so they're seeking them online. And what ends up happening is I've had a number of fans reach out to me and, and pour their hearts out to me. And I feel terrible for them because I think you don't know me. <laughs> I'm thankful that you feel you can trust me, but I worry if you had given this information to somebody who could manipulate it and hold it against you. You know, for example, I got divorced in 2019. And when I talked about it, I got an influx of messages from people that were struggling in their marriages. And I, I was flattered, but I also thought, you can't, you can't put this on me. Like I, I'm going through my own stuff. I have a therapist. I have friends that I talk to offline and times in my life where I was struggling and my instinct was to put it out online. I was thankful that I had friends to collect me to say, girl, what you going through it. I see you on Twitter, you know, putting it out. I seen you on Snapchat mm-hmm. crying. You okay? Yeah. And I <laughs> realized that a lot of people don't have that because when I see people Sharing a little bit too much of their personal life, going through stuff, having knee-jerk reactions. I think to myself, who who in their friend group is sliding in their DMs to say, girl, you got to stop. You, you got to stop this. And so I think what ends up happening, again, you become successful because you feed the machine. Colleen's making daily vlogs, daily. She's filming every element of her life and her children's life, which is a whole other thing and editing it. And then she needs the fans to watch and share and engage and buy books and buy tickets and show up. And so she's feeding the machine. And creating a relationship with the audience where they think that you are their friend, and they're invested in your success, and they're invested in every moment of your life is profitable. And for me, I was really fortunate that while I did share a lot, I very quickly realized like, "Uh -uh -uh, no, this is not right. Once you open the door, you can't close it. Then people think that they're entitled to know, well, why did you get a divorce? Girl, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why do you think you're entitled to that? Oh, because I have told y'all so much that you think you know me. And again, my age and And just the experiences in the community that I have, I very quickly set boundaries with my audience. I'm not going to talk about certain things. You can't ask me certain things. You can't talk to me any kind of way. I'll block you immediately. I don't care how long you've been following me. You're not going to just talk sideways to me. And I think a lot of people don't have those strong boundaries as evidenced by the fact that Colleen in her 30s was in a group chat with teenagers when she should have been in a group chat with her mom friends. Her friends from college, that's who she should have been. She was talking to them about intimate details of her divorce. She was talking to them about her fertility challenges. Why are you talking to children about that? It's not appropriate, but it tells me you don't have somebody else to talk to about that. And that's the real problem. Definitely. We're going to
2: take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about who's to blame when parasocial relationships go wrong. Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.
1: Hey there, listeners. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, Our show comes out twice a week, on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Wednesday. It was a great one with Indira Goff, where we talked about Matt Reif, the new comedian who's going on a sold-out world tour. And we're back. I think this whole story surrounding Colleen, it's just like so upsetting and distressing to me. And I was telling Rachel offline that the more we research this, it just feels like eating junk food, where the more I eat, the worse I feel. And I think for me, some of the shock has been coming from the fact that these allegations we're speaking of. So unpaid labor, inappropriate sexual comments made in front of minors, using those minors to solicit photos and information and just like dying loyalty This, I think, is not a new story for, let's say, Hollywood or Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, bad actors and executives and film and TV. Now, YouTube was only founded in 2005. Francesca, you started so quickly after that and you're Mm -hmm. kind of in that first wave. But the rise of the YouTube celebrity, the mega celebrity, kind of just started bubbling up after that and colleen i'd argue was maybe like one of the first online personalities to really convert successfully into a mainstream hollywood asset i'm specifically talking about haters back off the netflix show Mm -hmm. and therefore i just think it's interesting that she is now being exposed for a very like apt for hollywood controversy so my question is kind of like What do you think it is about these internet celebrities that has almost catapulted them to this level of influence of the A lister, of the mega producer? How did they become so powerful in these communities where, like, you know, people might not know them on the street, but online they have an army that is like Barb's level? I'd say 10 times more.
0: Yeah, I think about this a lot and I think. YouTube, in many ways, is like a microcosm of Hollywood. And unfortunately, we see the same type of abusive power in Hollywood, whether it be, you know, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. There is a certain type of personality that is drawn to the potential to be in the spotlight. It is some level of narcissism. And as someone that works in entertainment, I have it too, right? Where you want to be on stage, the feeling of people screaming your name and saying that they, they love you and you've inspired them. There's nothing like it. You know, I, I did stand up for years and the feeling that you get when you can make people laugh, when people are doubled over, it's like a drug. And I think that if you have a healthy sense of self worth, you're able to separate that as good as that feeling is, it doesn't define you. And for a lot of people, it does.
2: I kind of want to get into some tweets that you sent about the situation. You tweeted, We need a study on YouTubers who build their brand making inappropriate jokes for and about children and then become family bloggers and use their children as content. You continued, I'm side-eyeing YouTube because instead of putting restrictions of how kids are featured, they focus on comments slash monetization as if that would be enough of a deterrent. And... As we're getting more information in real time about Colleen and these allegations from child and teen fans who have now grown up and decided to speak out, I'm curious as to where you think we should be placing our concerns. Is it creators or is it YouTube? Is it parents? Is it some combination of
0: the three? Yeah, I'm going to say it's a combination of all three. I have, you know, I don't have kids, but I have an extreme sense of empathy, especially because I have been online for a long time when it comes to privacy. And I know as an adult, it can be terrifying and, and and make me uncomfortable when people attempt to invade my privacy. So then when I see it happening to children, I think, God, for a parent to sign their kid up for this, to say like, here's a video of my kid running around in their underwear my kid is having a tantrum, I'm going to put the camera on their face, right? Like those kids are going to grow up. And, you know, and to make money off of that, it just it just is really bothersome to me. And I believe that the same way we have protections for child actors, we should also have those protections for any child that is shared on social media, whether it be making sure that any revenue that they make off of their image is protected and goes into some sort of trust your parents are paying their mortgage off of videos of you. You should get some of that money. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to how often they're able to be featured, you know, when you're a child actor, there are strict rules about how long you're allowed to be on set and how much of that time has to be devoted to schooling. Well, if you homeschool your kid, you can film them all day, every day. There should be rules about that. Um, I believe that the platforms have a responsibility to, uh, course correct, and penalize parents for sharing inappropriate content about their children. I don't believe that your kid should be half naked on YouTube. I just don't. And and I believe that these platforms, YouTube specifically, they are profiting off of it. And so that's why they're not making a real push to do anything about it. Because they're running ads on that content, and they're collecting a check. As for parents... I mean, look, whether it's you're putting your kids online or you're not monitoring what your children are watching. When we go to the movies, we know that a PG-13 movie means that there should be parental guidance, right? So why is it that we just hand the phone to the kid and let them watch whatever they want? The reality is there's been a lot of talk about how young people are being radicalized on YouTube because the content is just being fed to them and suddenly you have a kid who is believing really hateful stuff about women, about queer people, about people of color. And it's because they're being indoctrinated by this content that has no restrictions on it from people who are not licensed professionals. They're not journalists. They're not educators. There's just somebody with a camera and a Wi-Fi connection speaking directly mm-hmm. to your child and telling them who knows what. So, you know, when I think about the Colleen situation, she was doing these shows with kids in the audience. Their parents bought the tickets to those shows. The kids didn't walk to the performance. Somebody drove them there, right? Like, uh, to me, I'm like, were you just not paying attention or, or you just thought, well, you know, it's kid stuff and they like it. I, I, I remember like my mom wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons and I thought that, that was so, I thought that was so just <laughs> shitty. Mm-hmm. Everybody's watching the freaking Simpsons, yeah. mom. She's like, mm-hmm. my mom's like, no, I watched this. And I was like, no, you're not watching this. <laughs> you know, yep. like, anything I wanted to watch, she was watching at first. And I got to be honest, it feels surreal to be in this place in my life where I'm like, think of the children, but I, but I genuinely have this innate sense that if we're not careful, we are going to raise a a generation of children that have been desensitized to some really harmful stuff. If kids don't see an issue with jokes about your uncle touching you, those children are more susceptible to be abused because it's been normalized. This is a joke. Don't tell your parents I'm telling you this. Well, then when something happens that they do need to talk to their parents, they've been conditioned to believe that they shouldn't. We're taking away their empathy and their agency in the name of Colleen Ballinger paying for a fucking beach house. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not okay with that. And again, I'm just, I'm thankful that people are speaking out. But to your broader question, it needs to be followed up with action. Colleen is a symptom of a larger problem. She is not the only person monetizing her children. She is not the only person saying sexual, inappropriate things that are directed at children. She is not the only person that is communicating with fans without their parents' knowledge. And we should nip that in the bud.
1: I think you're really making Me asked the question, like, where do we go from here? Because as we are speaking, as we are recording this, Colleen is like going on tour this summer as Miranda sings. She is on stage. And if you go to her website under the tour dates, it literally says, quote, this show is open to all ages and is rated PG-13 due to some adult references and expletives that appear briefly on a screen. End quote. No. no. (laughs) Which is just such big my lawyer told me to say this vibes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think the question that I wonder is like, do you think Colleen is getting canceled anytime soon? Do you think she's probably just gonna go on tour and get away with this? Or are we kind of unfortunately at the beginning of an era where more and more big time 2010s era YouTubers are going to come out with some stories and allegations from their fans talking about how the pros are pros, but the cons were really, really, really dark.
0: Yeah. I mean, my hot take is I don't believe cancellation exists. I've yet to see anybody be canceled. You know, consequences. You know, we have a word for consequences. It's consequences. It's not canceling. Um, I think... Again, I don't want to be a cynic, but I I anticipate that Colleen will make an apology video and it will be monetized. It will have multiple ad breaks and she will say all of the right things and or she'll make some excuses and she'll take a break. She'll come back. And she'll keep making content. Maybe she'll like retire Miranda or something and just start doing something else. I could foresee that happening. As for are we going to keep seeing this, this has been happening for a minute. Uh, in the late 2000s, there were a number of male musicians that were exposed for having inappropriate relationships with young girls, asking for nude photos and um, either dating fans and and manipulating them and making them feel uncomfortable. Again, it's a microcosm of what we see in Hollywood. I don't think that's going to stop. My hope is as this is crossed over, because a lot of times when these YouTube things happen, they're so insular, like people outside of the internet have no idea. Like, my friends are not internet people. They're always like, girl, what are you talking about on Twitter? <laughs> like, we have no clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that it's crossing over, like I saw Newsweek wrote an article about Colleen. and There have been more conversations about protecting children online. Unfortunately, I find it, historically our government is behind the times when it comes to technology and um, as somebody that's in the Screen Actors Guild, which is the Union for Actors, I know that the protections we have for children came out of children being uh, abused and, and, be, and taken advantage of. And, and unfortunately, there has to be some sort of tipping point in order for change to happen. I don't want that. I, I don't want a kid to get harmed or, uh, you know, be taken advantage of in order for change to happen. But what I would really hope for is the same sort of protections that we have for child actors, which to be fair are imperfect. Lots of child actors come forward and say, being a child actor, fuck me up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm mad at my parents. We don't talk anymore. They stole my money. It still happens. But at the very least, I think we need something that ensures that content that has sexual themes or has violence and it has some sort of rating so that parents know what to look for, so that, you know, you can set your phone or you can set your YouTube or TikTok to make sure that your kids can't be exposed to certain types of content, some sort of protections for children who are in content, whether it be sketches or vlogs or whatever else, they're doing brand deals, where's that money going? And some sort of privacy things for kids. I just I just don't think that if your kid is having a meltdown, it should be videotaped. If your kids having their first period, I don't think we should know. I I don't think you should be telling us about that. And there needs to be some sort of consequences for parents that violate the privacy of their children. That was Francesca
2: Ramsey. Thank you so much for talking to us about this absolutely wild scandal that again is still developing speaking of we did reach out to colleen ballinger adam mcintyre and cody rance for comment and none of them responded before we could publish the episode
1: okay that's the show we'll be back in your feed on wednesday so definitely subscribe that way you never miss an episode Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, how was the Joey Graceffa meet and greet? And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com.
2: ICYMI is produced by Sierra Sprague Ricks, Candace Lim, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online. Or at VidCon.